Guru Nation, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. It really means a lot to me. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. Thank you so much. Leave a review. I wanted to also thank my sponsors who make this show possible. The first one is Viva Sight Vault. Absolutely free. By the way, links to all of this stuff is in the show notes. Viva Sight Vault. If you are a site and you wanted to dip your toe into going digital and for e-reg and to start messing around with e-signatures, this is the way to go. They are the biggest name in our industry from a tech vendor standpoint. They're site-centric. They make this easy for us, guys and gals. And it's absolutely free. Sites.viva.com. Check it out. I use it. I also use Versatrail, which is my next sponsor. Versatrail has made my life so easy as a coordinator from an organization standpoint. Links to all these portals are in one easy place. You can literally link to anything you can think of, whether it's a protocol or it's the latest informed consent form or it's the IRT or it's the vendor to upload this or the other vendor to upload that. It's all there in one easy place. Not to mention, they do a lot on the feasibility side, which makes feasibility surveys a breeze. Check it out. This is a company that is going places. Versatrail. My next sponsor is Creo. I've been using Creo for years. They are eSource and eReg and CTMS and patient database and eConsent and so many more other things. And while they are not free, I definitely think it is worth the price for what you are getting. It has streamlined my research studies and my site, and I got all my coordinators trained on it, and I could not picture running my site without Creo. So check it out. Link in the show note. Finally, Inato, a free service for business development. Go figure. Link in the show note. It makes figuring out what studies you want easier. It makes figuring out what you're going to get if you accept the study super simple. And it really streamlines the process for knowing what's out there on the market. You can use it for as many investigators as you have. And again, it's absolutely free in Nato. Also in the show notes are links to the businesses I own, specifically DSCS, where we help sites get studies, do their contracts, help you with surveys, anything else you can think of, a shoulder to cry on, low monthly fee. And then we have the CRA, CRC Academies, and everything else live 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 guys gals everyone in between happy friday before fourth of july weekend like a lot of people are having like five day weekends i gave our staff today off so they got friday saturday sunday monday and tuesday and wednesday we're randomizing though like i told them we're back to work like we never left we've got an excellent panel Right for those watching and listening, Robert Goldman. We have Dr. Fox. We have Chris Saber. Chris Saber, you're sponsored by someone, man. Are you getting sponsorships now? No. I noticed the t-shirts connect. Uh, this is an old studies uh, t-shirt. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you're like you're Chris getting. Chris doesn't need. He doesn't need. But he's a legend in his own right. He's in his own mind. <laughs> Guys, we tried to get some females on too, but like Monica, Judy, Ashley, where are you at? I mean, this is, we want to get everyone. This is just a preview for, I think it's going to have to be a necessary topic at SOS conference. This is why saveoursites.com is underneath February, 2024, Tucson, Arizona. Shared, let me just break it down real quick. Shared responsibilities. When the site is supposed to be responsible for protocol compliance, but also the CRA via the CR, the CRO via the CRA, via all the other people at the CRO are also responsible. Both there's a there's a risk that both assume eh, the other stakeholders taking care of it. So when both have this attitude, problems come up. Uh, 
And this is why we had Robert on. He's from the sponsor side to discuss this because we all know colleagues of ours at the sponsor side, especially the smaller biotechs, dealing with this very issue right now. Robert's a small sponsor, so we all talk. We've interviewed these people on before. And I think it's something that needs to be addressed. Like, CRAs are overworked. Sites are overworked. So it's very natural for both to say, well, we're going to make sure we're not doing big things, but, you know, we really are relying on the CRA to monitor, and then the CRA saying, well, I'm going to make sure I monitor big things, but it's really the PI's responsibility to make sure, like, these little things. So when both are saying that, what's happening? You got a mess. You got a mess in this industry. So we had to get someone from the sponsor side to get on, and I knew no one better than Robert Goldman. So thank you, Robert, for sharing the sponsor side, and then myself, Chris, Dr. Fox, we're going to get from the site side. And look, save our sites. Sites are not angels, all right? Like, we, we go on rants about sponsors, CROs, vendors. I'll be the first one to make a meme about all of them. But we can make memes about sites, too, because they also are to blame. Chris and I talked to potential clients doing egregious things, like controlling their PI's emails and e-signing contracts and keeping them in the dark about it. Like... What are we what are we doing as an industry? So with yep. that preface, who wants to go first? <laughs> yeah, where do we start? <laughs> I think Chris goes well, first. Chris is always like, you know, sitting back well, analyzing. Why, the thank you. He's very oh, rational. <laughs> well, who go first? I think one one thing that I could say is I have turned down sites from the network. Uh, membership is free CRPN, but Bravo, Dr. Fox. sites. I, I would not allow these sites to have access to the sponsors that trust me. So it's a big reputation you have to think about. And some of the stories, the, the, and I'll just call it, they're site scams. There's site scams out there. You got to be real careful who you trust and who you sign a contract with, man. Um, like Dan said, there's sites that are not angels. To say the least, man. Um, but they don't last long, but some of them actually do which is scary. And then the the argument is, well, the CRAs that don't follow, the CRAs that don't pay attention to details eventually get caught. The problem is there's such a demand for CRAs. Like before they know they're going to get caught, they just like move on, you know, resign and move on. I mean, this is like Emily brings up a perfect question. Like what is the maximum number of protocols a CRA is supposed to monitor? There is no rule. Who makes these rules? sponsor make it i guess well i think the cro actually makes it dan right i mean depending on the demand it's 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 you know i've seen four five protocols under a senior principal cra's belt before you know 0.1 fte on this one 0.3 on that one another 0.2 there then there are point i mean it's it's ridiculous quite frankly but the the 0.1 fte you know one hour a week or one hour a day i should say um, it's a rare disease study that enrolls five patients over the whole life cycle of the study. So, but you know, you're right. It, it's not a number that a sponsor really predicates because we don't control what the CROs do considering the work is outsourced, but I can tell you firsthand, um, you know, it's all the CROs who predicate what number of protocols CRAs undertake and it's all based on experience. So as you rise the ranks, I don't want to say you're punished, but you're expected to take on, you know, the amount of work that a principal or a senior CRA with X amount of years of experience in a therapeutic area has, then they give you that workload. And it is on it. Sometimes it's oftentimes very difficult to manage. You know, it is. So I think that could be manageable, honestly, if that CRA were only responsible for sites that had yet to enroll. Right. And their sure. primary function was to push sites, hey, enroll, right? That they're basically just motivating and a recruitment from a recruitment perspective. You could probably manage a dozen sites or a dozen studies that way, excuse me, uh, multiple sites, right? But if you have patients enroll, that's a completely different story. 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, so, I mean, you know, being in study startup and getting sites off the ground. Yeah, Chris, I mean, you know, they could potentially take on 20 sites, yeah. you know, across, you know, five, six indications. But yeah, um, real quickly, huge shout out to James from Huxley Morton. He, he's he's uh, viewing us. Uh, one of the best, the guy. one of the best recruiters yeah. in the industry. There's just no the doubt about that. Best. Absolutely, 100%. The best. Couldn't agree more. Not only the best recruiter, but the best brand maker that you know. I love this conversation. And quality guy. Um, I mean, just a quality person all around. Great personality, personal. Him and his wife, superstar yeah. team. I need Genu to get them both. Genuinely the care. Yeah. So everyone on this panel agrees except Chris because he doesn't know him. Otherwise, he would yeah, agree. No clue who you guys are talking about. Yeah, he yeah. would know as well. But Chris <laughs> is not on LinkedIn. Uh, okay. So. Where do we start fixing this problem? Like SOS, I want to I wanna discuss this. But, I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, well, everyone just take responsibility. I think the workload is the issue. Well, there's a couple factors. There's workload, like genuine workload. But then there's also greed among sites and CROs. Like filling the bucket past the maximum line because you don't want to hire another CRC or another sub-I. I'm at Vias, our sub-I at Yuma Clinical Trails. Hats off to this guy. He really is like a semi-PI on this stuff. Like, he looks through inclusion, exclusion. He's like sub-I QA, especially with ConMeds. Like, he takes – I've seen him take ownership of that, and when he gets into issues, he'll ask our PI, hey, what do you think about this? And they have a discussion. This is what you expect sites to do. But not every site wants to hire a sub I and say, hey, get on this. Yeah. <laughs> get on this level. And not every CRC is qualified, to be honest. Now, yeah. so Robert, I got a question. And, okay, a couple couple lines here. You said a really interesting word. It always triggers something with me. You said the word assume, right? People just assume that they do things. Well, I always heard, they always say, when you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. Right. And that's so. Nice. My my question to you is, and and I've never seen this, but do you ever see an open and honest conversation between CRA and site, saying these are the expectations between our relationship? Like this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I expect you to do. I I have, I have seen it, but the problem is the delivery of that message, you know, because it's always a he said she said versus a hey wait a minute we're on the same side of the table mm -hmm. and we should be sharing this responsibility together so you know when you start using words like well these are my expectations of you there's the like this hierarchy built where where the site kind of comes back and says well wait a minute you're a guest here you know you're not yeah. going to come in and tell me what to do and we're going to do the, you know so i guess it's all in the the delivery and, yeah. You know, when you come in, those those expectations of each other, the site's expectations of you when you're there, and your expectations of the site when you're there. For example, when I was a monitor, I would always come in and say, "Listen, I hate follow-up items. They are a burden to you. They're a burden to me. Let's set some time together. Let's agree together." that no matter what the situation presents, obviously there's an exception to every rule, that we at least agree to put 30 minutes aside either before or after the visit so we can resolve these action items so that way there's no work in between the visits when and if feasible. And like that's an expectation that you share and put in place together when you walk in the door. So these conversations oftentimes don't happen. You know, and they need to happen because sometimes the CRA just doesn't know how to approach it and or they deliver it in the wrong manner and the site becomes resentful. And they're like, well, wait a minute, you're not going to march in my door and tell me what I'm going to do like you're, you know. So if I can interject right there. Please. So well, one, uh, Dr. Fox, I think maybe you're approaching that at the wrong angle because the authority at the site's the PI. It's not the CRA, right? So the CRA shouldn't presume they're the, the authority, right? That That's the wrong, at least in my opinion, wrong approach, right? PI is the authority at the site. Um, what the CRA, what I think a good CRA should do, 
they don't necessarily have to be friends with people at the site, though I often find, oftentimes find that the best CRAs are very friendly. Um, but the approach should be just having a conversation. Hey, you know, we're on the same side here. We want to make sure the data, the data is clean, quality is good. That's what I'm here to do is not to get you guys in trouble. That's furthest from what I want to do because it creates a headache for me, right, as a CRA. I, I'm, we're on the same team. I want to make sure you do a good job here. Uh, makes my life easier if everything goes smoothly. Um, I, I think that approach is really kind of what you're getting at, Dr. Fox, and that's really more what they should be in line with, right? We're all on the same team. We're all here to make sure this goes smoothly. Well, what if it was more, okay, as a CRA, this is what I am not going to do. What if you did that? Again, well, I mean, who's going to say that, though? Because you can, yeah, again, the site can get board. mad. The site can get mad and, and call their lead when they get pissed and say, hey, this person told me that they're not going to do these things already. Like, but, who wants to put their, like, look at this person. Karima, I had gotten burnt out working seven oncology protocols and 15 wow. sites. Wow. And I realized my quality of work has decreased. I had to be vocal about being overburdened, which apparently no one listened to because she eventually left. So who's going to be on the record to say that to a CRC and then risk, okay, if the CRC doesn't like her or the CRC tells the site director, hey, the this person told us they're not going to do this. Like, well, I can almost guarantee a CRC is not going to like the CRA if they're being very demanding and very oh, that's outlandish. Guaranteed sure. they're not going to be liked. And they're going to complain. And they're going to say, get rid of the CRA. Then that's going to reflect poorly on the CRA. That the, the CRA is not manageable or workable with most sites, if that's their attitude, right? So this is where greed is, I think, a culprit. Like these CROs, I mean, they don't want to hire help for this person i don't think this person was on her own she said i left so that means somebody was in charge she was vocal about being overburdened either they couldn't hire someone which i don't know you can always hire someone if you want to <laughs> um or they just said hey keep doing it we got profit margins we've got stockholders to account for and then in many ways, sites are doing the same thing with their CRCs and uh -huh. not wanting to train new staff and not wanting to bring on like educated people like nurse practitioners, RNs that know how to look into the details. A lot of times, like these colleagues of ours that are talking, Robert, from biotechs, I don't think there's like scientific trained coordinators running these sites. Like, right you know, MAs, CNA, okay, some of them, I mean, they end up knowing, like, meds and things like that, but what about having a RN supervision, NP supervision? Give them some equity. Give the NP, like we did with Jaime. We give yeah. NP equity. I mean, guys, look, it's a symbiotic relationship between site and CRA, or at least it should be, Ooh. you know? I mean, it's, it's, I scratch your back, you scratch my back. So that means, you know, I get it. Sites have multiple amounts of protocols simultaneously going. I mean, I've seen sites with 40, 50 studies going on, you know, I mean, literally at, at, in a single time point, I refer to those as the mills and, and some of them actually do Make it well. Bank. Make and bank. <laughs> You know, that, that's fine. You know, I, I, as long as the Private patient equity. safety. Yeah, but if the patient safety and the data quality is, is there, party. you know, it, it's, it is what it is. But what I'm trying to say here is that it's, it's when the site takes on more than they can chew and the site expects the CRA to find every problem that they may have and or the CRA expects, like you mentioned, Dan, you know, the, the PI, well, the, the, if they don't follow it, then it's their fault. And everyone's pointing the finger at each other instead of saying, wait a minute, pull out the mirror and look at the person in the mirror and don't deflect accountability and responsibility to other people. And I think if we stop doing that and we all say, hey, we're in this together, we're working towards a common goal. I made an error. You made an error. Let's call it a comedy of errors. 
and we fi we fix it. We learn from the mistake as opposed to sweeping it under the rug. And well, it, now it's you know it's the sponsor's fault. It's the CRO's fault. It's the site's fault. It's the PI's fault. It's the vendor's fault. That's what we're. That's what everybody is so used to doing. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but that's what I've seen. You know, all the time. It's never like, hey, site. And I love sites. Everybody on this call knows that. But I've never had a site say, you know, you're right. We we misunderstood. We you know we we're gonna redocument the training. It's 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 no no no. Well, we've had X amount of on-site visits. We've had X amount of remote visits, and nobody brought this to our attention. That's not the response that we should be giving when an issue is detected, especially right. when patient safety is at stake. What about right? your own QA team internally at the there site? You go. Exactly. We have one. We have our coordinators do it. If it's not them, it's me or it's Jaime. Somebody's do it. Before every rando, we're still small enough. Before every rando, either myself or Jaime, triple checks. And we've had a monitor tell me, thank you for doing that. Because there were yeah. some some things that had to get documented in order for this patient to get randomized. And I saw that you did that. Thank you. Like, so, but what happens when these sites are PE owned, PE back private equity is what I mean. Not yep. physical exam, yep. private equity yep. owned and operated I, I, and IRB owned and operated. So Dan, there are sites that rely on CRAs to be their first line of QA defense. And that's where it goes wrong. So they're they're trying to shift that cost of QA over to the CRA, where the CRA should be like that. You know, when you get a monitoring visit, that CRA should be looking at polished source data that has been reviewed, re-reviewed, make sure everything is done. And yep. that's not yep. happening. And your reference to PE, I think, is really effective. They're trying to make the most money out of the trials that they can for an exit strategy. So right. they're not putting the resources in for the quality. The problem is you get big enough. Like what I just said about my site, you McClink, like we're not perfect either. We make mistakes. But we put the effort, like we have somebody trying to do QA. Look before every rando, like do we make sure? And if somebody, it, then it's either my fault or someone else's fault, drop the ball. But you have like these bigger sites, they get to the point where they receive a reputation. And so they're like, okay, we're good now to get any study. They love us. Now they go crazy with scaling. And that site that received that reputation is not the same site that's doing all this scaling. Like what got them there is not what's going to get them to the next place. But they, they use that as equity in order to kind of cut corner i don't know if it's cut corner but i mean uh, ultimately it is like i don't we're trying to figure out like how we can fix this but i think it boils down to just money like everything so robert from a sponsor's point of view what do you see as far as the partnerships between CROs and sites like what do you expect you know, I expect everyone to hold up their end of the bargain. You know, like I say, these are human beings. These aren't gerbils, you know? I mean, and if it was my loved one, and I don't care if it's a new molecular entity, if it's a new first-in-class drug that's never been approved before, um, you know, or it's a pro-drug or a reformulation of a drug that we have decades of safety data on, every person who is a volunteer to better humanity should be treated with the same respect and the same rights as any other patient, whether they're in a rare disease study or they're in a diabetes study. Everybody deserves that oversight from the PI who, oblig who is obligated based on the obligations on the back of the 1572, which oftentimes, honestly, if you pulled PIs, I'm willing to bet they can't recite four out of the eight obligations, let alone all eight of the obligations. And that's the red flag to me. So what I, I mean, you know, it's just everybody has to do their part. And if you all do your part, if we all do our part, the site does their part, the CRO does their part, the sponsor does their part, you may have a better chance at a good outcome, a positive outcome.
You know, I'm not 100% sure the root cause of the failures uh, and why certain studies and this and that, but I can tell you when it comes time to clean the data and you're looking at top line tables, listings, and figures, getting ready for biostats, potentially unblinding, you know, you really start to see the impact of these errors. And the source of the error now doesn't really matter because what do you do to fix it? And really what should have been done to prevent it in the first place? And that lies with a shared responsibility, the topic of our call today. You know, it takes everybody to do their part to end up on the right side of the tracks. Otherwise, you know, money is wasted, time is wasted, therapies get shelved, they don't make it to the patients who need them. And that's pertinent to every genre of medicine. It's not just a singular portion. There's so many effective drugs that are retrospectively looked at after a phase three failure where they're actually, if, if something would have been changed in the design of the study or the conduct of the study, the drug would have made it to market. It's not a matter of whether the drug works or not. It works. But because other things happen, it prevents that drug from getting to market when patients who are out there desperately need them. And it happens in every therapeutic area. And so shared responsibility is critical. So from a sponsor perspective, it's just everybody do their part take responsibility, take accountability, don't point the finger. And if you find yourself having to point the finger, it's time to pull out the mirror. I like it. So a uh, follow-up question. So a lot of times if, if data are really, really bad, sponsors just won't pay sites, right? You know, you're, you're right, Dr. Fox. Look, there's a lot of cla there, there's clauses in the CTA the clinical trial agreement that that does say that, I mean, certain CTAs I've seen in, you know, in, 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 you know, as, as current as current where yes, you know, sponsors and CROs will not pay for data. They cannot use. I mean, I was at a very large CRO and we were, you know, this went way up to the VP almost C level executive suite. And you know, I'm, I'd love to say his name because he's the best, um, great guy. Um, he's no longer there. But anyways, he always taught me. Um, I was a CTM at the time. He's like, Robert, we don't pay for data that we can't use. And that was a CRO VP talking to me. That wasn't a sponsor, right? And and it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, let me ask you a question. Are you going to pay for something you can't use? Let's just call it a vehicle. <laughs> Let's call it... A, a food you're allergic to, like, are you, you know, you told us, you told a waitress or a waiter, Hey, listen, I'm deathly allergic to peanuts. And he brings <laughs> you something out with peanuts on it. Are you going to, are you going to pay for that, that dish? No. Right. Or if you walk into a car dealership and you pay for a Mercedes and they drive around a, a Prius, you want to pay for the Prius, not for the Mercedes. I actually, well, Chris, Chris does I actually Chris had does that happen. I literally <laughs> had that happen at a dealership. <laughs> Bought a car, worked the deal. When we went outside, there was a different car there. Wow. Well, so Robert, my follow-up question was, I know that we do that to sites. Does that ever happen to CRAs where, like, you have data locked and it's just terrible, and obviously the CRA didn't do their job? Do you not pay the CRAs? Well, that, that, that's the, you know, I don't, you know, it, it, the CRA doesn't work for us as, as, at least in my, my company, you know, maybe but that's the problem. Maybe that's the problem, right? Because look, I know they're overloaded, but uh, there's no incentive. Like for sites, there's obvious practical incentive, but for CRAs, they get paid whether they do a good job or not. Right. And that's a problem, you know, because you go back and you look at audit trails and you look at what was verified, what was queried, what was not queried, what wasn't verified. And there's nothing worse than seeing some data point verified by multiple stakeholders and entered by the site, yet it's so against the grain of the protocol. You're right. There, there's no, I mean, what's the penalty? A, a performance improvement plan, maybe. A kappa, maybe. But you're right, the CRA is getting paid in. The worst case scenario is they resign. The reason of separation for HR purposes cannot be disclosed to any party. 
They move on to the next CRO. That CRO contacts the previous CRO. Was this person employed? Yes. What was their title? CRA. What, what was their length of employment dates? This date to that date. And that's all the information that can be disclosed. And that's exactly what propagates the problem. Now, I'm not saying that we should disparage people and, and, and ruin reputations. No, people make mistakes. But at the other end of the spectrum, you know, it's like, what's, you're right, what's the penalty for me, first of all, A, not being on site for eight hours? Who's going to tell? Who's going to tell on me? Sites like Dan, sites like Chris, you, unless you're creating and filling out these surveys and unless you're, you know, following up on, you know, how long was the CRA on site? Are you satisfied with his or her performance? Did they help you? How was their attitude? And you're and you're looking at these personable characteristics and following up on quality. Nobody knows really. So literally, I've pulled sites before and I've said, "How long was this CRA on site over the course of three days?" Come to find out, it was cumulative maybe twelve business hours over three business days. And then I go to the trip report and I'm like, "No wonder this person only reviewed eight patients in three days." when there were 65 to review, you know? And so it's unfortunate we have to look at that level of detail. But, you know, again, it's like have some, you know, why are you in this industry? Are you in it for the wrong reason? Like I'm here for a reason. I have a mission. Dr. Fox, you share that mission. It's to bring those therapies to people who need it. I mean, you're close. You know, this is a, this isn't something we're not all here to, you know, because we have nothing else better to do, right? We're here to elicit a change. And that's why these conversations, albeit difficult, they are, they're not fun to have, but we need to have them. All the stakeholders in this industry, none of us are angels. Sponsors make mistakes. Sites make mistakes. CROs make mistakes. Vendors make mistakes. But acknowledge it. Don't deflect it. Well, this is how we trained that person. This is what you told us to do. You approved it that way. Like all of the, that, that's the problem. I hear it day in and day out. You signed this waiver. You signed off on this document. We, you know, it, it's never, you know what? We hear you. We understand. We'll fix it. You know, if there's a fix that's needed, there's a cost associated with that fix. You know, it's always a deflection. That's the big theme here. And I really think that dynamic has to change. Uh, we're going to get to some of the comments, but uh, I have some ideas we can discuss about technology, maybe helping sponsors uh, be more hands-on. I think a lot of the issues, like sponsors are not as hands-on as they like to be. We have uh, Ruth saying hello. We have James saying, currently looking for oncology series, so if anyone's feeling burnt out, give him a shout. We have Claudia, who's a Chris Sauber fan. She's saying hi. Do you know this person, Chris? Or? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Hey, Claudia. Josh, Joshua says hello. Uh, Alfredo Alonso says, that is true, Dr. Fox. Okay, here's a good one. Sorry to block you guys. They kept stating they lessened my load and it never happened. Worked 70 hour work week. I never took that out on my sites. Also, was a former CRC, and the site staff loved that I was relatable. But CROs and pharma pile the workload and think we can cover all reg, farm trainings, etc., and SDV in one to two days. Train other CRAs and ensure metrics are on point. Quality is expected, but can't be squeezed in these tight timelines. These CRAs are given the brunt of the work, just like the coordinators, and the higher-ups making all the money and the profit are okay with it until, until they're not okay with it, meaning money's inf affected somehow. Am I getting some background noise? Who's yeah, there's a lot of background noise. I'm not sure where it's coming from. Hold on. Let's, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Dr. Fox, Dr. Fox, um, uh, just please mute, and then uh, when you speak, just um, unmute. There's like some. Uh, thank you, thank you. But what do you think about this? Like this, co the, and does tech, does tech help? Like as more sites shift to eSource, as more sites 
start adopting e-reg. In theory, it's possible for sponsors to be more hands-on. We have, we already have a few sponsors that are like, hey, and they're small. We're not going with a CRO. We're going to monitor with these tools we have. But then they're they're also forcing the sites that are not comfortable with e-source and all these things to use it. So that's the trade-off. It's like, okay, well, we're going to be more hands-on, but say so you're going to have to learn some new technology. Do you think this is good, or what do you think, guys? You know, I think it's good, but Dan, you know, we've we've been privy to all these fancy tools forever, right? Dashboards, outputs. But I always used to say, even like ten years ago, I'm like, this data and these graphs are only as good as the person who's entering the data. So even if you go to an e-source platform, and I love the idea, don't get me wrong. Like, please don't misinterpret what I'm saying here. I'm just kind of looking at the other side of this. It's only as good as the source that's being uploaded. You know, it's only as good as the data being entered. So if there's typographical errors, if, if the CRC has one patient's chart and she's entering the wrong information into the e-source, I mean, there's, there, there's still a lot of areas in which gaps could present themselves so it's not a perfect solution but nothing ever is and we need to make a progress because we've been doing it one way for so long and that's not effective so i guess it just kind of you know tech is tech is great but i think where tech is really going to shine is where it's going to be automated in the in the sense of signal detection right when a patient enters data from an ePro perspective or a site enters data from a site patient's chart that just kind of doesn't satisfy the logic check, if you will, you know, a text message is sent, an email is sent, and let a human triage whether action needs to be taken or not. So for me, safety detect, safety signal detection, signal detection in terms of just being um, you know, looking at the data, does it make sense? That's where I think it's going to really shine in conjunction with pivoting to an e-source platform. You know, humans inherently will always make mistakes and you just can't comb through hundred, hundreds of thousands of lines of data and expect to catch every little problem, you know? So that's where AI and, you know, tech is really going to come in to help us ensure that number one, data issues are caught in real time so that we can fix it, retrain where needed. The problem is when you go six to nine months later and uncover a problem, what do you do to go back to fix that problem? And I'll give you an example. You know, there's a situation where Patients are using rescue medication. Many different studies use rescue medication for many different indications. And let's say you have a situation where the diary doesn't capture the time the patient took that medication. How do you, like if I wake up at three o'clock in the morning and I take a rescue medication, I should be able to enter that data immediately. But if things are not designed right from the ground up mm -hmm. and you don't realize this until two, two years later, <laughs> how do you go back but and that's, fix this? But that's a problem of a CRO that has this technology, usually, that created it and is not necessarily going to invest money into improving it as long as sponsors are okay with the current version of it. So do you think that's something sponsors are able to do going forward well, or keep in mind you know the the cro is gonna always pivot back and say well you approved it exactly you are part of the design process so again it's that you know it's it's it should be that symbiotic relationship it's like wait a minute you know if i was the expert on your technology then i wouldn't need to purchase your technology right however <laughs> You know, if it like that's where the <laughs> that's where the guidance needs to come in. It's like, well, listen, even you know, like here's what you need, here's what it's going to cost, and if it's a costing issue that you're trying to reduce, and therefore you have to sacrifice certain time points, aka the time something was taken, 
maybe that's not such a great idea. I mean, I've worked with CROs before sending out RFPs where they're like, look, these are non-negotiable. We need this in the budget so that we can perform the following services. And if we remove these, we cannot commit to certain quality KPIs. I respect that because they, they are unwilling to budge. Like this is the must have, this is the nice to have, and this is the, eh, we could go either way with it. But those must haves need to be identified. And if the sponsor is not willing to agree to those must haves, then just like Dr. Fox is, is, is you know, rejecting sites from his network, Mm-hmm. Again, I'll say, you know, you guys, your audience might have heard me say this before. I've only ever had one CRO say to me, you know what, we may not be the right partner for you because your assumptions are just not in line with our historical database and, and, and the knowledge that we have in this indication. Like your enrollment rate expectations and your timelines for us to deliver this study to you are just not possible. And were they right? They were right. I, they were absolutely right, Chris. You know, but then sometimes when you work with executive management, they don't see that. They're, they want to go with the yes man. You know, they want to go, well, 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 this CRO can do it. So let's, even though you know, as an operational expert, that it's not possible, you know, those decisions are made at a much higher level. And unfortunately, influencing is just not even possible once that gets to that level. And now you're working against an unrealistic budget, unrealistic assumptions, unrealistic timelines, and you're expected to deliver within that. And then heaven forbid you miss it. Now you're answering to investors, you're answering to the executive team, you're blaming you know, this person and that person, you're desperate to bring on rescue sites, you start exploring, you know, recruitment vendors. And it's just a, it's a circus, it ends up turning into a circus when you could have looked at it from the beginning and said, Listen, this is the road we need to go down. And this is what it's going to take. And this is the reality, I'd much rather be conservative and blow away those metrics then say I'm going to do something in this amount of time and then extend it double the amount of time, you know, under promise over deliver. That's all. I mean, cliche, but that's the way it is So Dan, I'm for me. What you were saying, um, and you were asking about technology. We're going to technology thinking how that would work. I think that we've seen in this industry that the success of technology relies on two variables, two. The first one is, of course, the end user or the user who's inputting that data, like Robert was saying. And the second one is the process itself. And I think that we as an industry always focus on that user part, how, how much tech ha- requires training. You always have to document the training. always have to talk about that. But very few of the tech actually looks at the holistic process. So prime example, I know that Mike visited your site from Versatrial, right? Love that guy, yes. Yeah, so he went there. So again, shout out to Versatrial for Dan. But he went there to understand that tech process for you as a site. So now, not just trying to go train a bunch of end users who are not always going to be the end users, but he's actually trying to look at the process itself as a tech so that the site, the end user, can have a good process to work with goes with back to that patient. You got that patient with something they can enter their data any time of day. Well, what if that patient had to enter that data into four different platforms? Exactly. Exactly right. No, Dr. Park, this is your spot on. I think if you have headphones, it would be a lot better. Uh, it's very like um, faint. Uh yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I'll just say, I'll tell you what. So again, everyone, if you didn't know, Springfield or Illinois got hit with really bad storms. Uh, we just lost our power and internet, so I'm doing this on a phone. It's okay. I've been here about 40 minutes, and Monica came in. If I can tag it off to Monica, I may, I may sign off. I don't want to like reduce your quality. You are super committed to do this in the middle of a of a power outage. Like, hats off to you. 
you've been doing so good on the sponsorship side with Monica. And I totally agree with what you just said about the vendor needing to understand the process. And you're spot on. You're, there are so many issues. You know, we're going to stay on for even another hour. I knew I, I know I had a hard stop. Something just changed it. So we can go a little longer if we want and get Monica's take on it as well. But thank you, Dr. Fox. We'll go live again, man. <laughs> well, we get some headphones or something because I know what you're trying to say, but like it's it's there. It's there. Yeah, I love Dr. Fox's insight. It's always super valuable. Stay safe out there and hope your power comes back soon. Yeah, man. Have a good weekend, okay? Have a good weekend, Dr. Fox. So any other comment? Monica, Quitiva, well, so we have Dr. Fox passing the sponsorship baton to Monica. Um, we could get to some of these comments too, but here's one. Okay, maybe this one's for Monica. Monica runs her own site. If you are a coordinator, aren't being an advocate for patients, you're doing something wrong. Heather, I completely agree. The problem, though, this doesn't solve the issue because you can justify to yourself as a site, well, this is just sponsored data. It doesn't affect the patient, so I'm not going to care about it. And at the end of the day, the sponsor is paying for it. So that solves a lot of it. I think that's the fundamental purpose of a coordinator like gcp says like advocate for your patient look out but it doesn't solve the entire problem there's still quality issues that won't affect patient safety that sponsors are paying for what do you think about this monica coordinators sites not taking enough responsibility for the quality at their site well, that's a hard topic. <laughs> that's why you're here. That's why Dr. Fox left. He's like, I don't want to touch this. This is for Monica to take over. That, that, that's a hard topic because I think it's everybody's responsibilities. 360 degrees is not just one part of the uh, one one part of the puzzle, right? Obviously, um, at the site, the number one priority, and actually, you no, know, in the whole study, the number one priority is patient safety. And, and keep them out of risk. That's why all the regulatory exists, right? And we want to make sure the patients are always safe at all moments. Uh, but this is, this is something that is the responsibility of everybody is just that in the site, we, we get to see the patient face-to-face. -face. We get to explore, to, to experience more uh, personal, on the personal level, the patients. And, and obviously, we have to educate them. We have to educate um, everybody at the site. And, and it, obviously, the, the, the study coordinators need to know that everything they do is thinking about that, is thinking about the patient safety. Is this what I'm doing, this process uh, keeping the patient safe. Let's say, for example, uh, a simple example, like um, if, we if we're doing the laboratories and then you realize the laboratory is expired, is that safe or not, right? It's, it, 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 it's something that, 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 that may sound like it's um, um, common sense, but some people can just, or some coordinators have that. Could just say, well, this is what the the the, the expiration date say. Uh, the expiration date says that, but maybe we can still use this this kit, right? <laughs> and then we're exposing not just the patient but also the data. So it is it is a critical um, topic, and 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 it's is something like I just mentioned before. It, it has to be three hundred and sixty degrees. It's not well, just Rob one part. Robert, Chris chime in here because i don't think sites that are guilty of doing stuff like this or CROs, and heather i agree you can do both but you know there's a lot of sites and CROs not doing both because it's easier to just have your hand out and go through the motions than look in the details uh do you think financial incentives are appropriate like controlling the financial levers from the sponsor side and the site side for I mean, honestly, I wish, and I've actually brought in this to legal, I would love to be able to offer incentives directly to the coordinator. But Dan, again, Ooh, you, what an you, idea. First of all, take notes. 
you know, but you and Chris as site owners and Monica as a site owner, you're like, wait a minute, Robert, wait a minute, sponsor. These people are my staff members. You're not going to predicate who you're going to distribute disbursements to. We do that. Like, Dan, that's like me telling you, well, you know what? I'm going to go give your CRC a $2,000 bonus for working overtime because she's spending time recruiting for this study. You're going to be like, no, that two grand is actually going to be paid to Yuma Clinical, and I'll be the judge of how I'm going to disperse that bonus to my coordinator. But to be quite frank with everybody on this panel, I would love as a sponsor to be able to say, you know what, coordinator, based on your performance and, and ensuring patient safety, ensuring data quality, we have in the contract a bonus specifically for you. And you are giving that bonus in full to that CRC. I've tried I would to love actually... that. I would love that as a site owner. Chris, See? what do you think? I don't really have a comment on that. Chris wants that bonus. He'll say, no, forget not... you, coordinator. I'm going to be the CRC now. Uh, I'm not trying to hijack this train of thought. But everything since I've been on this call is just addressing symptoms, right? So ultimately with the, and I'm going to sound like a communist here, but ultimately <laughs> the problem is, is from a sponsor perspective, they're a business and ultimately they're not going to implement anything unless they think it'll increase their bottom line. That's just the way it is. But Chris, when you, what about when you don't have a bottom line? Like we, I'm, I work for a, a sponsor that has no, you know, approved products and, and we are solely investor funded. So it's not like we have a viable PL. We are working solely based on the, you know, in the, the, the series funding that we've gone through. So totally. it's very different, but I agree with you. If there's, if there's a different, you know, if you have a revenue stream and it's affecting your bottom line, I get it. But what about what's your take on situations where there is no bottom line? It's still the same principles. There's expenses that, that sponsors do not see a need for. They're not going to pay it, right? So unless it increases something that they that they deem worthwhile, they're not going to spend the dollars like tech, right? There was a lot of conversation on tech. A lot of sponsors, they don't want to spend the money, right? Because, hey, that's not going to increase our bottom line. Um, right, but... Or but we have to implement he... this whole new procedure that's going to cost X dollars and it's, it's just not worth it. Right, but giving a 2K bonus to, to a CRC working on my study that's that's noted as the lead contact for this site will increase, you know, the value of the deliverable, uh, presumably. I mean, if you're a CRC and you know that this certain study, like, look, guys, I want to say something and you can disagree with me. But I, I love dissenting opinions, but if you're a CRC and you know you're getting a bonus from this particular study, regardless of what the PI is saying or the site owner is saying, that CRC is going to hyper-focus on that study, whether it's from a recruitment perspective, patient engagement perspective, level yeah, of but... service perspective. They have skin in the game now. They know if they exceed or meet a milestone, they're going to get a direct benefit from it versus waiting for the owner or some other stakeholders say, you know what, you've done such a great job. Here's a bonus. The way that I see it. Mm. <laughs> we've, discussed, we've discussed this before, and I don't think going to the coordinator is the way to do this. It should be based on enrollment or some other factor for the site overall. Therefore, you're, so if a site has 14 studies, right, what's one way to make sure that they pay close attention to your study? Pay them the most, right, out of the 14 studies. Um, and if you're doing that and they can get patients for your study, that's a big problem in, in research, right? They just don't have access to these patients and somehow they get the study. Um, but if you're paying them the most, of course, the site owner, the PI, they're going to, they're going to put a focus on your study because the money's there. Yeah. Right. But Chris, the problem is, and, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I love the back and forth here. This is what's fun about this, but my the problem with that is maybe you're paying the most right now but that could change very quickly because sites are getting new studies ending Certainly. studies at any given moment so again i believe like I, and i've said this from the from the day one not only from a site advocacy perspective but 
I believe coordinators are the most underpaid positions in the entire industry. And they are arguably the most valuable asset to any site. So what I'm trying to say is when you, when you, if you could legally allocate funds directly to a CRC, I believe it's actually more valuable and will show higher returns than giving it to the site. Cause I've done that before I've given sites bonuses to meet certain enrollment milestones. But again, it doesn't push the CRC to do the pre-screening. It doesn't, there, there's no skin because the CRC is staying this, like they're, they're, they're fluid. They're stagnant. They're static. Like nothing is changing for them. And well, if they're going to, if they're going to do extra work, if they're going to get the data in the EDC in a timely manner, if they're going to make those phone calls, if they're going to log into the portals and they're going to, you know, go the extra mile, it's time we as an industry start supporting that effort. And I believe it, you know, like we have tried to, you know, I have personally tried to allocate funds to a CRC, but okay. unfortunately it was shot down. Let's say I would that. like to say something. <laughs> oh, we got it. We got a good topic for us. Okay. Okay. One quick yeah. comment. So let's say that okay. works. Why are you not running into the same problem as paying the sites more? So now all the sponsors are paying the coordinators more. Right, you're, you're this is the same problem. <laughs> yeah, but he wants to be first. He doesn't care about future studies. <laughs> but, uh, he I, wants I want his first. Mention, <laughs> I want to mention something because uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, that, that, I, I totally agree with you that the CRCs are the most underpaid uh, professionals in this industry, and it, and they are the mo probably one of the most important parts, right? However, why the CRCs are getting paid less than everybody else? Because What's it's generally it's generally well, the most entry level role, generally, and it's, and it's probably a lot to do with the budgets that are being provided to the sites to operate exactly. with. Exactly. So the sites so, don't have the financial gain to pay the study coordinators more, right? But but Monica, now, also if, not to inter not to interrupt you, if even if like we said with Chris said, let's say we increase the budget twenty percent, what? Like how many sites? And I'm not talking your site, Chris's site, not, Dan's site. not the way though, Robert. Bonuses, like you said, you've done. Okay, so then, then yeah, I mean, if it was structured that way, that would work. But I'm just saying, oh, just paying a site a larger budget doesn't necessarily mean that money's going to make it to the CRC, especially yeah, when it's owned but, by private equity. That's like, thank you, you Robert. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that too. But then if you think about the problem in the industry right now is a shortage of uh, CRCs too. So now everybody wants to have retention. So right. that's going to that's gonna create that increase on the payment of the, of the study coordinators. But not just that, but if we include, if, 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 if the sponsors accept to include bonuses or things like that in the budget, I can almost guarantee it is going to go to that specific study and, and people are going to work more towards that study because it, exactly. it, it makes more money for everybody, not just so, for one part, right? So, so I, I totally agree that the CRCs need to get paid more. I totally agree that um, that um, that's, that's a very important, obviously the CRCs are incredibly important, uh, but I also think the sites as a whole, are very important and everybody needs to get um, uh, some sort of benefit because if we think about it as a whole, the industry, out of the vendors, the CROs, and everybody who's getting paid the less, the sites. So, 100%. so here's the solution, which I've actually seen sponsors do, and that's they hire the coordinators, they send them to the site, and they work for the site until their study's over, just on that study. And, and, the, and the site has to accept the coordinator to take on the study. I've seen this since I've seen this. I've seen Abby do this. So, but are, Brad you okay? are you okay with that? I've never had it on my site, but I've seen sites in which this occurs. Right, but I'm asking, would you be like Monica, Dan, Chris, would you guys be okay with a sponsor saying, Hey, we're sending this. I can tell you no, AMCs, AMCs, that doesn't work. Like academic okay. medical centers, you can't do uh, it. I completely agree. It wouldn't work there. Right. This right. Is but for, like, but Dan just said he wouldn't allow that. Right, I, would, like, I wouldn't like it. Yeah, so Monica, I mean, Brad, you... Brad and Fox. Too bad they're not on because they've had people. I Brad for a fact. I know I he's have had a sponsor. He'd had sponsor hire someone 
to go to a site just to do data entry and the amount of problems that that caused, and then he had to clean up the mess in his situation. So I, I, there's many reasons I would say no to this as a site owner. My, my, my so, solution for this will be if the site has already somebody that they think is, I mean, somebody that they trust already, that they know is going to perform well, why the sponsor don't pay for the training of that coordinator, like, for example, right. to us, to the CRC Academy or, 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 or any program, right? So that will be a way for the sponsor to support that site in different way and get somebody extra for that specific study. But the site already trusts that person. Yeah. Here's my CRC. Daisy, what's up, Daisy? Enjoy your time off. What a committed coordinator. Uh, watching this on her day off. CRCs are at the low end in clinical research, but there's high turnover rate because not everyone can handle that kind of workload. It costs CROs more money in the long run, but then again, they have the money to throw away. Smaller sites are wiser to treat their CRCs better despite the low pay. Thank you, Daisy. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, I tell all the staff, this is not a job, this is a career. Work with me. You're going to get stuff. You're going to get rewarded. Like, just work with me here. But not every, like, some of these sites are private equity owned. You think they care about someone's career? No. They want a job. You enter data. You draw blood. You spin blood. Uh, me make money. <laughs> That's like the the algorithm. Like, so how do you differentiate and... And Monica, about the sites getting trained, like we've uh, we've been offered uh, on one study, the um, the sponsor would pay like ten hours a week for a coordinator, but they they didn't want us to use that coordinator for other things. Like, how do they track exactly how much time they're spending? So it never worked out. That's what the sponsor told me. But they're they're playing with these ideas. I think it boils down to training of the at the site level. So the, the problem is not really a shortage of CRCs or CRAs. The problem is a shortage of training and sites and CROs not wanting to invest because there's no immediate ROI in training someone. So they rather just give them more workload to who they already have, pay them a little more. So I'm not okay with that. We always invest in new people. We hire people, ask Daisy. We hire people when we don't need them. At the expense, at me and Chris's expense, we're part owners. We'll take it. Just let's get new people in. Let's let's give you someone to help you enter data, get them up to speed to be a CRC. If they're not, that's fine. Go somewhere else. But we're gonna keep trying. But not every so, site's gonna do this. I like what Chris said. Let's let. I I really wanna not talk about the symptoms. What's the solution here, guys and lady gals? What what is is, is the solution? Is it, is it, you know, cause, cause I literally want to go consult some of the legal experts that I know in this industry. And I want to say, you know, okay, fine. We, we should be always looking at the site budget to make sure that we remain as competitive as possible and making sure that you as sites have what you need to operate the study and <laughs> conduct the study. Right. I think the solution is save our sponsors. SOS. Maybe we'll do two conferences a year, one for sites, one for sponsors. SOS, save our sponsors. You That's guys have the financial No, I am. Let me get to it. Right. You guys have the financial levers. Right? Like sponsors do. Not zero, not sites. Ultimately the money, if you stop the money flow and you guys are all in the same effort, that people are gonna be forced to change. Like, hey. We're not going to pay if there's the same deviations over and over again. We're not, I mean, I don't really know. The solutions are financial and they're from the sponsor, not from anyone else. That's the solution. That. I'd agree with that. It's definitely from the sponsor's perspective because, I mean, okay, the communist side of me would say, well, you throw this to big government, you make socialized medicine, and there you go. Hell no. <laughs> big government needs to stay the hell away from this. Exactly. FDA needs to stay away. And NIH needs to stay and away. You kill R&D doing that, right? If yep. there's no money in it, you kill R&D. So you can't, yep. you can't go that route, right? And I think nope. you actually have worse outcomes going that route, personally. So forget that side, right? So one of the levers of control, like Dan said, it's the sponsors. They're the ones ultimately in charge of 
of the levers of power, which is money. And maybe the sponsor will even pay faster if they take control of this stuff. Like the the but, biggest so thing. So then of- again, guys, I still have the question, not to interrupt you. If I come to you as a site owner and I'm like, listen, I want to incentivize your coordinator, your lead coordinator that you have assigned to this study, and I want to allocate $2,000 a quarter to this specific CRC, are you okay? And how do you track that that money is actually hitting that CRC's pocket? So, Are you okay with that idea? I'll give my opinion first real quick. So I think really, ultimately, it goes back to the CRCs and the CRAs. I think if the sponsor trains them, employs them, sends them to the sites, they're only hiring the PIs. I think ultimately that's how it works. I think because you can dedicate the resources to the study and the PI is the ultimate one responsible at the site. There is no other employees essentially at the site, maybe other than sub-investigators. I think you can go that route, right? It would It would be horrible for a while, but I think ultimately that would be one solution right so as the sponsor is responsible for the cras they're also responsible for the crcs i i I agree with chris and then i think the other route is obviously supporting the sites more because let's say for example that site has only one coordinator right and they have two or three studies no more than that Uh, but then if you're paying giving that coordinator that uh, bonus, it can create a chaos also in the, in the site because then that coordinator doesn't want to pay attention to the other studies, right? So I think I think the best way to go in that in that case is giving support to the site, and if they want extra attention, maybe saying, okay, we will pay for the again for the training or the 